This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Today to the church in Indian Lake, if you would, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. Across the room, James chapter 4. I always enjoy when the pastor uh, gives me an introduction. I always feel like I'm, I don't know, going into a big fight or something. There's this huge epic introduction and I appreciate it. Uh, my title this morning uh, is Interrupted, and I firmly believe that God going to interrupt your life this morning, and I hope that's okay with you. It's not too late to sneak out if it's not, but I believe God is going to interrupt your life this morning in a good way. James chapter 4, 13 says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, while you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, God, you are going to speak to us this morning. You're going to challenge us to be better individuals, better followers of you. And so, God, right now, may we all just submit ourselves to you. Listen closely for you. Not me, but, God, listen closely for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier this year, uh, my dad was having some heart trouble, and uh, they scheduled him to uh, have uh, a heart cath done in Indianapolis. And I felt like I really needed to be there uh, for, this, uh, for this test, and, and it proved to be uh, true because he ended up going uh, immediately for uh, triple bypass surgery immediately after the procedure, so it worked out well. But in order to be there for it, I needed to leave my house uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, that's probably not a big deal to some of you, but to me, it's a huge ordeal because that's early, and uh, really early. And so I had everything ready. I had my GPS sets. I had my uh, tank full of gas. I had uh, the coffee ready. I just I needed to flip the, flip the switch and go. Uh, clothes were laid out. Everything was planned and prepared. Uh, I got up that morning. Everything was executed uh, perfectly. I hit the road right on time. I was a little droggy, as most of you would be, uh, but I was, I was pressing on. As I hit 65, a couple hours in, uh, it started to snow. It was freezing cold outside, and, and I started to, to really just kind of, I don't know, just start crying out to God, like talking to him in that moment. Have you ever been there where it's just a gorgeous morning, and you're a little emotional because you're tired, and, and it's just beautiful, and you start communicating with God, and it just kind of feels like he's right there with you. And uh, just as he and I were just having this deep conversation, my tire blows out. And there I was uh, on the side of uh, 65, headed north. Uh, with absolutely nobody in sight. I mean, I don't even think truckers drive that early. There was nobody around, uh, no houses, nothing. And so I sort of had a little bit of a, a panic moment because I don't know if you guys change tires a lot, but uh, I don't change them that often, and not for sport anyway. So I was just a little bit concerned that uh, I might not exactly remember how to do it. And so uh, it took me a little while. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how long. It's an embarrassing amount of time. But uh, the point that you need to know is uh, that I, I did it. I changed my tire. And uh, so there I stood on the side of the road, having changed my tire, freezing cold, snow. I think there might have been like a bear or some kind of a banshee in the woods. Uh, Kentucky bandits, which we all know were the worst, uh, were fought off. And uh, I stood there and let out this huge rebel yell because I had accomplished a huge task for me. And I felt good about it, even though it took me so long to do it. So I get back in my car, and I'm so excited. And, and I give my dad a phone call, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm back on the road. Everything's good. And he's like, be safe. And I go to start my car, and it doesn't start. 
See, it was so dark, I had to leave all of my interior lights on so that I could see what I was doing. And uh, so my, my battery's dead. So there I sit on the side of the road, completely useless. Like, I can't really do anything about a dead battery. And uh, fortunately, KDOT came by, and uh, they, cha- they jumped my battery, and I was a huge fan of KDOT that day. I tried to buy him a cup of coffee and all that stuff. And it was just a, a divine moment right there. Uh, I get back on the road, and, and I make it in time for him to get out. Uh, my point is, you and I, we like to make plans. And we like to, and I like to really, really make plans. Uh, and I like to see them executed. And I don't like things to, to kind of throw me off, especially uh, blown tires. Had I known that I was going to have a flat tire, I probably would have packed like an impact wrench with me or maybe somebody who was trained at changing tires. But I, I didn't know. You and I, as we kind of go through life, we find interruptions frequently. And we can't plan for them. We can't prepare for them. They just sort of come out of nowhere. And it takes something as simple as a dead car battery, a sick child, or traffic in the morning to, to prove to us that there are elements in our lives that we have no control over. And it's kind of a vulnerable state to be in as individuals where we really don't have control over certain aspects of our life. But we trust and we hope and we pray that God is leading us. And I think sometimes, as James 4 warns us, we tend to make plans as if God doesn't even exist. And that's a scary place to be. In fact, sometimes I feel like we plan so well that we might miss God. We might just miss God in our planning. In Acts chapter 4, 8, it says this. Uh, I'm not going to read it for you, but you can read it later. Uh, it tells the story of a man named Philip. And, and actually, it ends with Philip like completely disappearing and reappearing in a completely other area. So I encourage you to read the story. It's fascinating. But I'm going to give you sort of a brief day version of uh, the story of Philip. He's ministering in Samaria to uh, the area where ch- the church was under heavy persecution. And uh, Christians were running around, lost people were running around, everybody was kind of a little crazy. And he sets up camp and starts ministering. And it's actually a remarkable story because miracles start taking place right there in a persecuted area. People are saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, demons are cast out. All of these things that we would uh, equate with being a, a thriving, healthy, growing, important ministry, Philip sees right here in Samaria. One day he's preaching... And an angel of the Lord appears and tells him to leave. He says, go to a desert road. Now, I don't know how you would feel about that, but I would be a little nervous. Like, maybe I miss God. Maybe that wasn't really an angel standing in front of me. I was, I don't know. But I think, personally, he had to be a little nervous. But he takes off. He takes off on a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Uh, it's, a, it's literally just a desert road. There's nobody around. As he's walking, he's probably going through his mind, you know, what am I doing? There's Christians who are being persecuted, and I'm out here hanging out on a road that's deserted. And as he's walking, he comes up to a man in a chariot. And as he gets closer to the man, he realizes he was uh, an Ethiopian. Uh, He was an Ethiopian uh, who was very pious. He had a very high position. He was the treasurer in his area. So he's a little intimidated, but the Holy Spirit prompted him to go talk to this man. And so he walks up to him, and he begins a conversation. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to somebody that you don't know real well. I personally find it a little bit awkward. It's a little challenging. I usually go talk about the weather first. That's that's kind of my go-to thing. But it's a little intimidating. And so Philip is kind of finding himself working through, how do I communicate with this man? What are we going to talk about? And it becomes very apparent that this guy is reading Scripture. 
And as Philip begins to explain the Scripture uh, to him, he leads him to the Lord. Right there on this desert road, this Ethiopian eunuch gives his heart over to the Lord, and they come up to some water, and he's baptized right on the spot. This story tells me a couple of things. One, we don't always know what God's up to. We don't always understand why we get to have a job transfer or a disease that's debilitating. We don't always understand why we have financial trouble. We don't always understand what God is up to in our lives. But we have to trust and know that God is in control of every situation. And most of us in this room, we, we live a very good, God-fearing life. But I believe that if we're going to be followers of Christ in words and in actions, God's going to interrupt our lives from time to time. It would have been easy for Philip to say, you know what, God led me to this desert road. He's got to have a big plan for me down the road and just blow right by the Ethiopian. God's got something bigger. He's got a television evangelism ministry for me or a huge pulpit waiting. or He's got this mass amount of people that's going to be a rally. God's got something bigger for me ahead. I'm going to pass this opportunity by and go to the next. But what we learn later on is that by witnessing to this Ethiopian, one man, the gospel is spread throughout Ethiopia because of this encounter. There is no insignificant encounters when it comes to God. If you yield yourself to God, you will not have interruptions. You will only have divine opportunities. If you yield yourself to God, you'll only have divine opportunities. And I believe that God wants to lead you and I to do incredible things. But a lot of times we miss it because we're not paying attention. We're not looking for God in every situation. Maybe for you, your Ethiopian encounter might come from shopping at Target. I love to shop at Target. Maybe for you, your Ethiopian encounter might come from uh, the baseball field or soccer field. Maybe it might come from work or school. Maybe your Ethiopian opportunity is waiting in front of you and you're missing it. See, I believe that God leads us to minister to people, specific people. And sometimes it's not always the person that we expect. Sometimes it's, not, it's, sometimes it's even the least likely person. For me, uh, just recently, I have... Uh, re-engaged, uh, I guess, a past friendship with a, a gentleman who's since become an atheist. And at first, when I saw that we were kind of communicating, uh, he's not just an atheist, he's a belligerent atheist. And so, as we started communicating, it would have been easy for me very quickly to dismiss our encounter. There's no way that I'm going to be able to reach an atheist, and he obviously has his mind made up. He's very well-educated, develops apps for Apple. Uh, brilliant guy. There's no way that David can reach this guy. And we could pass that opportunity by, but sometimes God wants us to minister to the least likely person. I can't tell you he's come back to Christ yet because we're in the middle of that. But I hope that one day we can because if we yield ourselves to God, every opportunity becomes significant. And we've got to watch for him and his plan and his purpose. What would happen? What would happen if every single place we went, you and I said, God, what do you want to do through me today? What would happen if every morning we got up and we said, God, what do you want to do through me today? Or better yet, God, do something through me today. Interrupt my life. It's a challenging statement. It's a scary place to be in because we're not really sure what that means. But if we trust and believe God, we will not have interruptions, only divine opportunities. Growing up, I was always fascinated with space. It's not 
that popular anymore. Uh, you can hardly find information about space. It's usually like, I don't know, in the back of the local sports page next to the middle school girl with her soccer picture or something. It's kind of tucked away, hidden. And you're like, oh, wow, we shot another shuttle. That's pretty cool. I personally uh, find it fascinating that we are able to uh, go into outer space. I challenge the fact that we've actually been on the moon, but that's another topic. I think that it's fascinating that we've actually shot people into space. And we understand that when we're dealing with space, we have two different kinds of people. We have astronauts and astronomers. And astronomers are these uh, men and women who are able to view what's going on in space uh, from the comfort of their backyards or their observatories or whatever science nerds do. And they have these telescopes and they, they note things and they write stuff and they journal things and they, they watch what's happening in space. And then, then we have men and women who have dedicated their entire lives, who have sacrificed much for the opportunity to be shot into space. Now, obviously, that didn't work out well for me. Uh, space camp was about the extent of my journey into space. But men and women sacrificed their entire lives for that opportunity. I believe this same analogy transfers into the church today. I believe we have Christians, not you guys, but other Christians, who are simply observing culture from a safe place. They're sitting, they're watching, they're noting, they're seeing a shift, they're seeing a change, they're seeing uh, morals decline, and they're watching and they're refusing to engage. And then I believe we have men and women who are spending their entire lives devoted to staying close to Christ and watching for opportunities and preparing themselves and doing what God's called us to do. Now, I don't know which one you would rather be in that scenario, and hopefully we don't have any uh, astronomers in here, but I personally would rather be an astronaut. I want to get out there. And I want to see God do incredible things in and through my life. I want to live a life that makes it difficult for the people around me to go to hell. I want to live a life that when I encounter somebody with a disease or I encounter somebody who's going through trouble, that I can stop and help and pray and see God work in their lives. Because I believe that's what we're called to do as Christians. But here's the thing. I believe we live in two very different worlds. There's a disconnect between what happens here at 1045 to noon on a Sunday morning and what happens on Monday See, this morning, we live in a world where uh, axe heads can float and uh, virgins can give birth to Savior and we can have people raised from the dead and donkeys can talk and all of these crazy things. But we believe it because it's in the Bible. But then Monday, we tend to forget everything that took place. And we live in a world sometimes where, as Christians, we're defeated and we're beaten up and we're conquered. But I believe God wants to raise each and every one of us up. And He wants to interrupt our lives and He wants to use us and challenge us to do incredible things for Him. I, uh, I want to live a life that counts. I want to live a life that matters. I don't want to just spend time here and, and take up space and, and eat and suck air and, and drive around and pollute the economy and, and tear things up and, and just go home. You and I weren't created to be consumers. We were created for a purpose beyond that. And I believe we need to step into that role. In order to do incredible things, for the Lord, I believe we need to do a couple of things. I believe, first, we need to spend time with God. I believe we need to spend time with Him. Now, this goes beyond maybe just a, a quick devotion in the morning. This goes beyond your Wednesday and Sunday. I believe this goes well beyond uh, just a quick prayer in the shower as you're going about your day. I mean, genuine, real time with God. I personally believe that if you spend time with God, it's impossible to not do extraordinary things. 
You cannot spend time in the Lord's presence and not desire to reach people around you if we genuinely spend time with God. And I believe the more time that we spend with God, the greater the chance we have of hearing from Him. When we say, God, speak to me. What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to talk to? The greater uh, chance we have of hearing clearly from Him greatly depends on the amount of time that we spend together. The second thing I believe we have to do is we have to refuse to stay the same. We have to refuse to stay the same. Now, this is difficult for me because I can be really content with having like the exact same breakfast every morning. I can have a, a granola bar and a side of yogurt, a little bit of fruit. I can have the exact same lunch, uh, a sliced banana with uh, some almond butter and some bread. I absolutely could just go through a, a normal, typical routine every single day because I'm a very content individual. I have to challenge myself and push myself and allow God to push me out of what's comfortable. I have to ask Him to interrupt my life because sometimes I don't feel like just jumping out there and doing what He's called me to do. I have to ask Him to interrupt me. Challenge yourself. Refuse to stay the same. I believe that uh, it's easy for us to sink into a pattern where we just become like everybody else. And for some of you, that might be okay. But I believe we've been set apart. God calls us the salt of the earth, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Those words, I don't throw around very often. I don't really walk around and, and, you know, hey, how's it going, chosen generation, royal priesthood. Those are huge terms that God has given you and I. And so I believe it's a shame for us to sink back to normalcy. I believe God wants to take our ordinary life and do extraordinary things through us, if we'll allow Him to. The third and last thing is that we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. And Luke, it explains that we need to lay down our cross. We need to die to ourself daily. Now, this is really difficult because if you're anything like me, you like to take care of yourself first. But I believe we need to die to ourself and pursue what God has for you and I. I believe that we are all trying to work out the message of Jesus Christ with the mindset of what we feel like we deserve or what we're owed. And I think the result of that is that we end up spending our life uh, being comfortable inside the walls of a church where we're happy and we take care of ourselves and we uh, collect things. And I believe that God wants to shake us out of that. And He wants to interrupt that line of thought. And He wants to push us to see that there's ministry beyond these walls. I've used this analogy before, but I'm going to use it again. Uh, We've all gone to see a, a movie, right, where it's just in, in regular old movie format. Just, you know, it's just a regular movie in a theater. And it's been pretty fascinating. But then you have your 3D experience where you get the glasses. And everybody looks dumb in those. I just want you to know. You get the glasses and you put them on and you get to see your 3D movie that pops out at you. And I believe our life is like that when we allow the Holy Spirit to change the lenses on our eyes. I believe that our regular life, all of a sudden things start popping out. That we don't see the needs of others around us until we rely upon the Holy Spirit to change the way we think and we begin to see what's going on around us. And that's the life I want to live. That's the life that I want to have take place. A lot of times, we miss it. Because we plan and we plot and we schedule and we move on as if God does not exist. Now, I don't, I don't want to imply that my tire blowing out was God purpose so that I could minister to the K-Dot guy and he could you know, take the gospel back to his uh, Kentucky place. And I don't think that it was purposed by God necessarily. 
But what if it was? What if it was? I mean, I have brand new tires. There's a good chance I just ran over some road junk. But what if God purposed that moment for me to minister to that man and I missed it? See, you and I, we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to give an account for our time. I don't want to stand before Him and and try to explain how awesome I am at Xbox or how proficient I've become at the mandolin. I want to explain to Him that I did everything that I could while on earth. That I lived the best life that I could. That I followed the, the gospel message the best that I could. That I reached out to everyone. That I did everything I could to avoid missing divine interruptions. And I don't know if you're willing to say the same with me today. But I hope you are. I hope you're willing to change the way you think. To change the way you look at your situation. And begin to see that God is looking to use you every day. Will you be willing to say, God, interrupt my life? With your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe somebody here today is saying, David, I've, I believe God's been chasing me. I believe God's been trying to get my attention. And I've been avoiding him. Maybe you're here today and you're ready to say, God, come into my heart. Interrupt my life. Change me. If that's you this morning, I want you just to raise your hand across the room. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand across the room. Anybody say, thank you. You can put your hand back down. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Say, God, interrupt my life. Come into my heart. Change me. Anybody else? Raise your hand. God, come into my life. If you would just stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down front. I want to give everybody an opportunity to reconnect with God. Maybe in your situation, in your life, you're saying, you know, I'm going through something that I, I can't quite understand. I can't see God in my situation and I need some help. If that's you, I want you to come find some prayer. If you raise your hand and said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart, please come and find one of us and let them pray the prayer of salvation. Just come and tell them, hey, look, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I need God in my life. Maybe you've got something going on that I can't even understand or articulate. Whatever you need from God, I personally believe, strongly believe, that He wants to meet that need in your life today. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open the altars. Communion's available in the front and in the back. If, if you didn't get a chance to take part in communion, we want to open that up to you. Maybe you just need to get alone with God. Maybe you just need to reconnect. I want to give you that chance today before we leave and we go back into our busy lives and we start getting back into our regular routine. I want to give you a chance to have a God encounter. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, you haven't left us here on earth to fend for ourselves, but you interact with us. You desire to have communication and conversation. God, you speak more often than we even hear. But God, I believe today you're going to open our ears, you're going to open our eyes, you're going to change the lenses, the way we see our world. God, I pray that you meet the needs represented in this room so that we can go out into the world and meet others' needs. So God, we thank you in Jesus' name. If you need some prayer, maybe you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and you want to pray that prayer, I want to invite you to come down at this time.
This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.